Mage Talk is brought to you by Mojo Stratus. Stratus is true cloud auto scaling technology for Magento. Built by industry leaders and cloud architects, Stratus is a revolution in cloud hosting. Magento 2, no problem. Holidays, flash sales, no problem. 100% uptime or your money back. Give Stratus a try today, risk free, and tell them Mage Talk sent you. Check them out today at magemojo.com. That's M A G E M O J O.com. Mage Talk is brought to you by Vertex, the leader of tax technology solutions and services for corporations worldwide. They're a Magento premier partner trusted by over half of the Fortune 500. Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes. Visit them online today at vertexsmb.com. This podcast is brought to you by Commerce Hero. Better way to find a Magento developer for your next project or full-time hire. There it is. <laughs> did it and did and did. Whoa. <laughs> That's what Kalen was doing right before we, <laughs> before we actually went live. Yeah. Uh, that was yeah. wild. I'm doing, I'm doing the fake Kalen hummy singy thing while also itching my head for lice. Ah, uh, bro. I don't have lice. How dare you? How, di- how, how dare you? How, how dare you? I, I still haven't started recording in Reaper because for the life of me, totally I don't know how to do it. It's fine. Zoom audio quality is so rough. Yeah, it really is actually. Ah, how does one record audio? Like, what's the easiest way to record audio on a on a Reaper? Mac? <laughs> Just like a basic audio setup. Just like a basic audio setup, like a Reaper or something like that. <laughs> Probably. It's probably almost like a almost like a you know that thing that we always do? It's probably the easiest thing to do. For ages, man. I can't there's so many buttons in here. I can't even Yeah. There's so many buttons. There's a lot of buttons. When I press the record button, it starts playing back audio that I recorded like eleven months ago. Uh, I don't yeah, I don't know what the I don't know what the deal is with that. Sounds like a a Pebcac. You know what a Pebcac is? I, I do know. I do. I do know a little bit about that. I do. Yeah. Yes. You know what yeah. a peb to our, yeah. to our viewing audience. Do you guys know what a pebcac is? Chime in. Anyone? Hey, listeners at home, chime in. If you know this, the, the answer to the question of the day, what is a pebcac? <laughs> You're listening to Mage Talk Live. And this is. <laughs> Keep going. Keep going. That's so good. <laughs> That was so Looking good. for caller 39, 39, caller 39, answer the question of the day. Question of the day today is, what is a pebcac? Do you know what a pebcac is? <laughs> Call in right now, 1-800-MAGE-TALK. <laughs> I've got Samantha from uh, Cincinnati. Samantha, how are you doing today? You, you listen to a lot of podcasts, right? I do, I do, yeah. If, if you listen to a lot of podcasts, there's a podcast out there called the Jason and Scott Show. Jason and Scott Show. Oh, man, I don't know if I've heard of that. Yeah, uh, it's uh, Jason Goldberg and Scott Wingo. They're uh, both like veteran e-commerce, like OG e-commerce people. Uh, they, you know, they have a lot of street cred. Uh, both of them, I think, were board members or founding members of Internet Retailer and uh, NRF right. and that sort of thing, right? So um, yeah. they go back a long way. Uh, I believe Jason co-founded Channel Advisor. Um, anyway, oh, okay, okay, heavy hitters. Yeah, heavy hitters. Um, 
big personal networks. Industry uh, professionals. And they're <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, sorry, the sartorial type, if you will. Ooh. They, the two of them have been doing podcasts for a little while and they have this style of doing podcasts that are very much in that old radio kind of oh, thing. Okay. That's so funny. And I love when podcasts do the radio thing. Yeah. My <laughs> favorite funny. thing. It, I actually, I literally had this thought the other day of like, why is it like the, the whole radio style, that whole style, like, why isn't there more of that in podcasting? Like why, like, it's because it's well because it sounds. I'll give you an example of the reason why, Kalen, because <laughs> it sounds like this. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode one hundred and forty-seven of the Jason and Scott Show. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, <laughs> and that's what it sounds like. Like, what is it about radio? Is it just that they're like so over the top to get listeners that are distracted and and like like changing channels that. Yes. They have that over the top All style. Of that. Yes. Podcasts are more like opt in kind of. <laughs> it is. It's so funny. It is very much like the passive listening audience of the podcast. That's why NPR, I think, plays really, really well for the podcaster type audience because uh, the, the passive listening, it's like non intrusive. It's not trying to get your, it's like not overtly trying to get your attention, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, of totally. course, we can always amp that up on the Mage Talk side if we really wanted. We can always just be like, this is Mage Talk. How's it going, Mage Talk? Oh, Mage Talk. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. no, I mean, we have, I mean, let's just, let's call it what it is. We can play at either end of the spectrum because of the tremendous amount of talent that we bring to the table. <laughs> it's true. We're, we're probably the most in flexible the team in podcasting. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that should be on our whatever pitch our pitch deck is to advertisers. <laughs> we should say we're the most flexible team in podcasting. I I, I want to make you were putting out an offer not too long ago about making webflow sites for people. Just yes, to do it. Yes, yes. I want to make a webflow site that does like talks about Mage Talk, but it it amps up all the things that people typically do in pitch decks, like a combined 347 years of experience Philip <laughs> Kalen bring to the podcasting industry. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. I'd love to do that. That's we need up. to do more. We, I need more of those combined years of experience metrics. Right, right, right. right. It's like, the most useful thing in the world is to know how many years everybody in total have been thinking about a subject. <laughs> yeah. Like we pull in like everybody that's ever touched like Mage Talk in any way, shape, or form, paid or unpaid. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That number. <laughs> uh, Mage Talk guests represent <laughs> 247,000 years of combined experience. <laughs> exactly. Ah, good times, man. Good times. Well, are you recording your audio yet? I am. I, oh, good. Matter okay. Of fact, yeah, yeah, I am. All right, let's do this. You ready? Oh, yeah, let's do this. Let's jump. Remember on. when we used to clap? Oh yeah! Can we, let's you do a clap, clap for for old time's sake. Let's do it. One, two, three. Ah, oh, that was beautiful. That's so gorgeous. That was absolutely man. Back when tremendous. we started this show, we had to like clap to sync stuff. You know, this is the dark right. ages. The dark ages. I know. Um, and now we're recording uh, several places at once, but that sync <laughs> is going to come in handy. And uh, can we pivot to just purely? Can we pivot our podcast to just purely reminiscing on... On what our podcast used to be? <laughs> yeah. There's nothing more meta 
<laughs> That'd be great. That'd we should be do so that. Good. Yeah, we gotta uh, pivot. We gotta pivot to something. It's it's either gonna be no code. Um, I like that. So I pitched that to you the other week. I, I love I, that. I like this idea of doing a no code podcast. I am neck deep in Airtable. <laughs> you're probably deeper in Airtable than I am because I haven't touched it since I set it up. Well, you're like, the one that's just running to it. So I by, know. by the transitive like, property, I you're we're both I, <laughs> deep in it. You're neck deep. I'm in over my head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you remember? Let's do a little mage talk quiz uh, for our listening audience at home to play along. Do you remember absolutely what the first episode of Mage Talk's title was? Hello Bar. No, he- uh, it was in there. We talked about Hello Bar, but that's Hello not Bar. what the title. That wasn't was. the title. Oh, the title. The title. The title. The title. The title. I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to say. Pass. Uh, the Voltron of Magento. Oh, God. How did I forget that? Ivan Chaperni, I4, Interactive 4. That's right. Um, who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? They were snapping up some talent back in yeah, that time. They were. They were. They uh, were going for a world domination expansion move. And Mediotype did it, you know, better. <laughs> That's because they didn't have Commerce Hero to rely on back then. <laughs> That could be a factor. That could certainly be a factor. I think it's a factor. I think the, it is a factor. In the calculus there. Yeah. A, also mentioned was my buys, which was how we actually came to uh, to know each other. Uh, it's a painful listen. The Don't my go buys back and listen. Logo. The my buys logo. That's right. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that was such a good. That was such an oldie and a goodie. You know what's funny is it's way better in our memories than it actually was in real life. Because right. that that was actually really painful to listen to. We didn't know what we were doing. Oh God, yes. And if you think we don't know what we're doing right now, and we're just a gossip-filled <laughs> rant, uh, you know, a wild speculation show, um, then you should listen to us back then. <laughs> I have to say, I'm pulling up your Twitter because I was looking for. Um, oh, nice. The like I'm seeing the tweet you posted. Um, because I'm looking for the link to the article you wrote on LinkedIn. Oh yeah. Uh, so close it's probably deep back there. Cause I've which, been tweeting all day long. Yeah. Which I actually want to talk about. But then as I was pulling it up, I saw your bio, which I guess I haven't read in a while. <laughs> Co-founder slash e-commerce nihilist. Um, which is, and I remember that tweet you posted recently, which yeah. is like, Made me really crack up. It was like I trying to find it. Um, it was like nothing if, matters at all. Subscribe to my newsletter. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's all. This is all gone to hell. That's what it meant. That's what the the theme, the tone, the tone of our newsletter has basically become. What's the point? Uh, <laughs> you know, what's the point? We're all automatons. You know, in a purchasing machine run by George Soros. <laughs> Subscribe. Right. Please subscribe. <laughs> Please subscribe. I like chuckled to myself when I saw that. Yeah. It, and if you, you know, if you don't die an e-commerce evangelist, you live long enough to become an e-commerce nihilist. That's where I'm at. That's where I'm at right a great now. one. That's that's a that's that might be a t-shirt. It's a bit long for a t-shirt. I had a I had a great, very simple idea for a t-shirt today at the gym. Mm. Thought leader. Just the words thought leader. Just thought leader. Just thought leader. That's yeah. <laughs> Is that good? How is that not a t-shirt yet? How is that? that, that I'm going on that, Amazon right now. Thought that, leader t-shirt. That's, that was my immediate. God, that, to that was my immediate second thought. Was that definitely exists? And then I was like, I don't care. I want to make a t-shirt of it anyways. I don't care if it exists or not. <laughs> um, can it? Can what font would this be in? 
That's a great question. I was imagining a really basic, uh, like sans serif, just very like block, like just very basic font, but there's probably something, something more clever that you could do there. Yeah. Uh, Wow. Yeah. This seems like a really open, like if you wanted to go after the thought leader t-shirt space, which seems to be a really narrow niche, um, (laughs) there's not very many options. There's a bunch of really poorly designed ones. There's a real gap in the market here that somebody needs to explore. (laughs) Um, Yeah. We need uh, sarcastic witty t-shirts that are uh, self-aggrandizing. That that market's (laughs) not been fully explored just yet. Um, But no, so yeah. um, we're did, we're opening up with an uh, uh, convertible note. We're trying to raise one and a half million. Uh, so uh, say it completely straight faced. Press press at future commerce or investment at future commerce. <laughs> we do have a uh, forty thousand dollar minimum. Um, <laughs> 20, 40,000 minimum. Twenty percent discount on the for, on on Series A. <laughs> series A. Um, I did want to jump in. I did want to talk about the article you wrote. Um, in full, in full uh, disclosure, I read, first of all, I opened it up and I was like, I've been, I've been reading a lot lately. You mentioned that the four books you read, uh, which are pretty, pretty heavy. Uh, Talking yeah. with Strangers, Malcolm Gladwell, Age of Surveillance Capitalism. And, um, and then you, and then you said, as I pen this letter, I think about the current state of retail target is doubling down so, uh, strategy. Walmart is pivoting away from DTC venture capital is coming on, under heavy scrutiny. I'm like going, dude, th- like you really are becoming a serious writer. And th- at that point I was like, can I see this as a tweet thread or, and, or a two minute video clip? Because I, I've lost all ability to read long form text. It's absolutely absurd. So the guy who puts out 26 videos a day and yeah. is live streaming every day for a hundred days yes. has lost the ability to lead, to read long, to read form. long form text. It's, it's absurd. It's, it's, that it's, sounds about right. It's very absurd. Uh, but I want to very, very selfishly ask you to, to summarize it here for yeah. me since I, while I have you. All right, so uh, two minutes on the clock. Here's here's the summary. The summary is uh, there's a lot of things that are happening that I believe will shape the future of the world as we know it for the next 10 years, and they're happening right now. Uh, we are coming off of the greatest, uh, the greatest period in American economic advancement that we have ever known. We've had thir- well, 11 years of straight uh, economic growth. Okay. And what has given us this new sort of gilded age of more people moving out of middle-class into higher, higher earning wages, higher, uh, you know, higher income brackets. Brackets. Right. Right. And at the same time, we have the fed print printed money, uh, in, in, you know, for 10 years, just printed money and, and shoved capital into our economy. So, uh, a lot of the money that we have in the world is being repurposed to be, uh, to basically act as research and development on what consumers will react to. So you have things like public pensions that are being, uh, that are backing private equity firms in, in big ways, private equity funds. That was funds. the other tweet of yours that I said yeah. was a made yes, yes, no, was that one on? I was like, yeah, we, we, we'll dive into that. Your but, tweets have gone up market for me. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> like... <laughs> You're yeah, just... I also lost all of my followers. Like, I, 
I had 9,000 followers at one point. I have 6,600 now. I'm alienating people left and right. Don't ask me how to, you know, how to be a thought leader. Um, I stopped leading thoughts a long time ago. But I'm thinking about this era that we're in, in, in all of this uh, activity. And you look at the WeWork debacle. Um, that's, that's what I'm thinking about right now. Okay? Mm, and okay. at the same time, I'm thinking about what are the effects on retail? And how does, world, how does the world progress in the next year? Right? Mm. So as I'm thinking about all this stuff, I got an email in my inbox that reminded me that the movie Fight Club is 20 years old as of right. As right, 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 Wednesday. Right. And I, it made me remember my favorite scene in Fight Club where Edward Norton and Brad Pitt are sitting in a bar and they're commiserating because Edward Norton just lost everything. Like I think it was like a fire or something, an explosion. He right. lost everything, right? And he's commiserating about like all the stuff he lost. He's like, oh, I had a stereo, had a nice stereo. I had a... Uh, a wardrobe that was, you know, really well, about to be a well-respected wardrobe. And, right, 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 you know, right, he right. talks about a sofa, you know, it's like you buy a sofa that can last forever. And then no matter what happens, you just think to yourself, I'll never have to think about my sofa again. Right. Because right, I've got right. the sofa situation handled. Right, right, right. And he has this passing line at the very end of that whole rant where he says, I was so close to being complete. Right, right, right. And that sort of hits you existentially is that... Yeah that the things that he owned was his the definition of completeness to him. Right. And Brad Pitt says in return, oh, it's playing the character Tyler Durden, he says in, in return, you know, the things that you own end up owning you. Right. And I just kind of followed that down the rabbit hole in this in this piece, which is, you know, really talking about uh, that's a perfect picture of where we are in consumerism in the West right now, where it's mindless purchasing. How many times have you had something show up on your front door that you bought on Amazon that you forgot that you bought? Um, oh my how, God. You know, quite a few times. You're like, right. I, you're like, what is this? Oh yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. You, you had no, it's not even about the joy of buying anything anymore. Purchasing has lost so much friction that right. you don't even make a considered purchase anymore. You just hit the button and then you forget about it. And I think that it's like we've become automated as consumers to put less thought into things and react quicker. And the impulse is so fast now. Um, and we've made it so frictionless now that I think we're actually fundamentally less happy with the things that we have uh, mm -hmm. because we haven't thought about them. We haven't considered them. And you know, to wit, a lot of the brands that are selling online and nothing against Amazon, but a lot of brands on Amazon are just trying to get to the next sale. And they're always trying to treat everything like a, another... We've missed our two-minute mark, by the way, a long time ago. But you know, it's always about the next sale. Why is there a two-minute mark on this? Because I said... You, you said, explain it in two minutes. I was giving you a two-minute uh -oh. rundown. Oh. Yeah. So it's just all about... The, it's all about the run... I will extend the limit to 15. This is a good topic. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just asking ourselves, are we creating companies and products that have purpose? And are we asking people to spend some of their money uh, and invest in our businesses and invest in products that enrich them? And is that are we doing that in a way that only keeps them having to come back to us for more and keep having to come back to the trough? Are we encouraging people to go live their real life and go enjoy their real life? Right. And if we're really honest with ourselves, a lot of what we do in e-commerce is very manipulative. Mm -hmm. It's very much... Juice up those conversion rates. Yep. And... It always comes down to getting people to make the decision to buy. 
And so the thing that I'm starting to care more about is how we can engage people outside of the purchase decision and, and create a, uh, a more lasting relationship with the customer that has nothing to do with just the buy, 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 buy decision. Um, right. And so at Future Commerce, the things we've been talking about is, you know, developing into a, into a story around knowing your customer um, and having sort of a customer bill of rights, like a manifesto of what good, what, what mm. good mindful brands do to engage their customers and how they draw a line in the sand and, and don't abuse that relationship that they have with their customer. So mm. that's, that's mm. what that piece was about. That's really, that's really deep, man. I, I mean, it's, it's funny because the very first thing I thought about when you talked about forgetting, uh, buying something on Amazon and forgetting what it was, is this uh, cord I have right here, which actually takes my, my uh, headphones, which are Bluetooth and connects them to over a re- regular audio jack. And the reason I had to get it is because when I'm on calls like this over Bluetooth, they'll randomly drop out on me, which of course is a very frustrating experience for having a call or doing a podcast or whatever. And so it's funny because um, I did forget about what it was when I saw the package the other day. And at the same time, it's, a, it's very helpful and it actually improves the quality of, of my connection with other people that I'm, that I'm talking to by making those less frustrating. So I'm kind of thinking to myself, I'm like, I, I mean, it, it's a small thing, but it's but it is sort of meaningfully improving. Uh, I, I mean, it's improving in a small way, uh, working relationships with people and things like that. So yeah, but that's um, something that you could argue that you need. I think there's things that we buy that nobody that needs. we just don't need. That right. You just don't need it all. You just buy it right because yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, so that's and and in many cases, you know, I see a lot of brands trying to do things to to get people to make a decision to purchase that are just patently not true. Um, there's a lot of FOMO that goes into, you know, you and I talked five years ago on the podcast. We were talking about older shows. We talked about confirm shaming and you know, right. uh, dark what what would be called dark patterns. Dark now. patterns. Yeah, we we didn't have a name for it back then when we first started talking about it. But there's these, you know sort of passive aggressive, well, I guess I just don't like discounts, you know, sort of dismiss <laughs> yeah. messages and things like that. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, I, I think that it's very tempting as a brand or very tempting, especially when you're trying to meet certain goals that you set for yourself to succumb to those sort of tactics. But I think the there are brands who have decided that they're not going to do that. They're not going to rely on fear of missing out. They're not going to rely on manipulative right. techniques. And they've sort of set that as the standard for themselves that they're not going to resort to those things. And I think right. that not only are they better for it as a brand, we're all better for it as people. Right. I mean, I think another example of that is like when um, brands don't make a real big deal out of Black Friday discounts. Um, you know, Black Friday is one of these weird cultural phenomenons where it's like, Oh yeah, I gotta leave Thanksgiving early tonight so I can go camp out in the parking lot to get two hundred dollars <laughs> off a of TV. And so I think some of the more conscious brands are like pushing the Black Friday thing less or not at all, or you know, not giving steep discounts and whatnot. I I I wanna say it's been a while, but back when I was at Clean, I wanna say that they they did that, which I, I thought was great. You know, they didn't make a real big deal out of it. Um but yeah, definitely there's this this interesting intersection between commerce and kind of culture and values. Um, there's a there's a story that comes up every year uh, around Black Friday or the run-up to Black Friday 
Um, you can, I, I guarantee there will be one in the next week or two. Um, but, you know, going back all the way, I just quick Google search. If you look for Black Friday is selfish, the every year, the number of people who identify as buying gifts for themselves on Black Friday or getting a product that they were going to purchase anyway for a cheaper discount mm. that happens on Black Friday grows. Mm. And I, there's a, a, a large number of people who are actually starting to ask the question like, Black Friday used to be when you start your holiday shopping to give gifts at Christmas. Right. I don't know that Black Friday and Cyber Monday are about that anymore because not many people are buying, you know, so there are certain types of products you probably just don't buy for other people. You buy it for yourself. Yeah. Um, and so then the question starts to, to kind of turn around into, you know, what are we really motivated by in those holidays? It's a manufactured holiday that, you know, or is a, you know, maybe came, came about in a, in an organic way, but is really used to trigger our internal, you know, want to like the hunter gatherer part of ourselves. <laughs> like wants to hoard stuff away and get right. it, you know, at a better, at a better discount. And um, yeah. And you wind up getting, you know, you get some, dis- I did the same. I was just talking about this with you a couple months ago during prime day that I wound up buying uh, a Nespresso machine that I was yeah. going to buy for myself anyway. And I got it, you know, cheaper. Um, I right. could have bought my wife. I could have bought my wife her birthday present because her birthday's in June, but I didn't like <laughs> bought myself an espresso machine. Right. So I'm just <laughs> as guilty as anyone else. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, and then when you're, you know, being a dad and stuff, you know, it's like yeah. you're the last person, you're the, you're the last priorities for as far as receiving gifts. <laughs> it's kind of like, <laughs> I'll just get, my, get myself whatever I need, you know? And, yeah. Um, a few yeah. people watching the live stream right now, uh, get active in the chat, ask some questions here, uh, get, get us off this uh, topic, but, um, get your questions in, <laughs> look at the jizz and the sketches. <laughs> um, I actually have a question for you about preacher sneakers. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like I, the Kalen interview podcast. I'm on Kalen talk right now. I love yeah, this. Yeah. We're going nuts. So, uh, so I've been looking at your Instagram more and this is kind of funny. So, I see, I believe it's one of your stories where you said it was order number 12, yeah. Preacher Sneakers. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. So he got like the, the, the 12th order from this new brand and you tagged the Instagram account. And I'm sort of new to Instagram, right? So I, I don't really get it. I'm trying to get it. So I look at their account and I'm going and I see, first of all, their Instagram account doesn't have a link to their website. So I'm looking at it and I, and, and then I'm like, well, it's got to be an, an e-commerce site because he he bought, you know, bought something, but then I'm looking at it and it's like preacher is wearing sneakers and it's like showing the price of the, it's showing the, like it's, it'll show a split screen with a clip of a preacher or some sort of whatever. And then it'll show how much their shoe, you know, their sneakers cost. And then I was like going, wait, and then I Googled it and then their website doesn't come up, but you find news articles talking about, oh, there's this Instagram account that's throwing shade at preachers. They, you know, throwing shade at them, like, oh, look at the, the expensive shoes they're wearing. And I was like, wait a second, I'm so confused. Is this an e-commerce site or is it an Instagram site making fun of people? And I, and then like, I could never actually find the site where you bought the shoes. So no, I, spent okay. like, <laughs> I spent like five minutes trying to figure it out. It's uh, so what I bought was the sticker pack. So they, uh, they are, they are, it started out as an Instagram that was, as you said, uh, throwing shade at... By the way, they're on Shopify and I know we're on Mage Talk right now. Okay. Um, but uh, 
it's an Instagram account that started out making, you know, basically making uh, a not very well veiled criticism of preachers who, you know, ostensibly take people's tithes or money, right? Um, right. And then they're wearing luxury clothing. Right. right. Um, so you see people wearing Gucci, you see people wearing Prada, you see people wearing Fendi. Right. Um, and at the same time, they're also wearing sneakers. And most of these people are wearing sneakers that if you're in the sneaker world and you know something about sneakers, you look at them and you're like, oh my gosh, like on resale, that's a thousand dollar sneaker <laughs> or a 4,000. Like there's one guy who is, who is sort of like this, uh, this one preacher, his name is John Gray. Uh, who has these Kanye red, uh, red <laughs> Yeezy um, red Octobers. Uh, and those are like four or $5,000 sneakers, right? Oh my God. And, um, <laughs> and so there's this like criticism of, you know, should people, is this a, is this a, a, a good way to spend your money or, yeah. you know, whatever. And um, anyway, so it's kind of become its own merch along the way. So right. the guy, the, right. he started a podcast where he interviews preachers that wear these sneakers, like trying to justify why. Yeah. What I really liked is, was... Is the, is, is the podcast confrontational? No, not really. I, okay. in, in many cases, like the, the podcast is more like, what makes you want to own something uh, like that? Uh, um, and it's actually quite deep. Uh, one, of the, one of the things I... Most of these guys are used to public speaking, right? So they're really right. used to being, you know, kind of giving you... A, uh, a whole well thought out reasoned right. uh, argument to why they think what they think. Right. Um, the most recent guest on one of his shows was a guy named Jonathan Merritt, who wrote a book that I read earlier this year called Learning to Speak God from Scratch. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Merritt is a uh, a writer for The Atlantic and mm-hmm. has written for other publications too, like The New York Times. Mm-hmm. Great writer. And... Mm-hmm. Um, also a man of faith. And, uh, but he was talking about sort of the, you know, this idea that people are untouchable, right. And people shouldn't be subjected to criticism. Like this is not the forum in which to, to ask these questions. Like, are they, these are questions that shouldn't even be asked. And I loved his sort of his, his thing is like, yeah, like, why can't we ask the hard questions? Why can't we hold people um, who are role models accountable. Um, you know, these, I, I just really like that hard questions and in, in faith communities are being asked. Um, mm-hmm. I do also love the fact that from a content to commerce point of view, this guy is killing it. Right. Because he's, <laughs> he's found a whole area of content that no one even knew existed. Right. He's right. exploited it to make his own merch. It's freaking <laughs> genius. I mean, you t- and, I mean, it's funny because now the, the phrase e-commerce nihilism is yeah. uh, it describes this like perfectly? It's perfect. It's it's right? it's, it's absolutely perfect because th- there is nothing more nihilistic <laughs> than basically creating a merch brand out of you know out of uh, a uh, cultural criticism of preachers yeah. that are are engaging in <laughs> commerce in a way that's disingenuous or out of alignment yeah. with their values. Yeah, it's isn't just, that great? It's like levels on levels on yeah. levels of the insanity. wheel just keeps turning, Kalen. <laughs> yeah. it's Sne- uh, it's sneakers all the way down. It is sneakers. Uh, and you know, what's funny is that, uh, this, you know, there's, there's kind of a moment happening culturally too, where it's, it's shifting, um, where now Kanye, uh, who has the Yeezy brand, uh, who, by the way, Yeezy did over a billion dollars of retail sales in the last 12 months. And, uh, over of a that, billion dollars of retail. Yeah, wow. Yeah. 
Wow. And, um, and that's just Yeezy alone, not Adidas. The Yeezy label under Adidas has done a billion dollars in retail sales. Uh, and yeah. uh, Kanye of that has seen, you know, almost $150 million profit out of that, uh, out of that you know, uh, enterprise. Uh, and that's just the apparel, right? That's just right. the apparel. It has nothing else to do with the other parts of what makes Kanye, Kanye. Does that and, factor in, I'm assuming it wouldn't factor in the uh, sometimes big discrepancy in what's paid in the aftermarket? In other words... Yeah, it does not, it does not factor that in at all. This is not a total economic impact okay. of Yeezy. Right. This is a just a retail, just retail. sales uplift from, from Adidas. Gotcha. Um, what I think is really interesting, and by the way, we can bring we can actually bring this back to Magento if you want, really Ooh, want to. I knew you'd um, pull it off. I knew I had it faith. Only, it took I us forty you, minutes. I knew you'd bring it back. <laughs> uh, but in the world of of Yeezy, uh, just kind of why I started talking about it, uh, Kanye now professes to be a Christian, and he's hmm. putting out an album called Jesus is King, uh, which I think is wow. really interesting. Um, and uh, he's got the whole Sunday service thing. That he's yeah, he's doing. got the Sunday service thing going on, which I think is really interesting. Um, you know, he is not a stranger to criticism. Uh, and <laughs> you think? <laughs> and uh, so he's he's a very interesting person. Um, yeah. Uh, and I just find it talented in so many different ways. Yeah. And 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 also somebody that has their 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 challenges, right? Like, yeah, very, flawed, very much so. And also, <laughs> and also, like. You know, it has been called a hypocrite on you know so many different occasions. He's kind of right. immune to it at this point, right, uh, I'm right, sure. Right. But he's he's got a, he's got an interesting um, platform as an artist right. who is now doing retail. And I think when you look at the content side of content businesses that are engaging in retail with their with their now um, built in audiences, it's very much what we talk about on Future Commerce sometimes, which is the uh, building an audience and then turning that into a retail enterprise. That's what Preachers and Sneakers has done, which is, you know, amassed an audience, right. hit the front page in the New York Times, you know, uh, and then has turned that into right. its own enterprise. And they're doing things the right way too. They give a lot of money away to uh, things like Doctors Without Borders. Um, they're giving uh, oh, a good awesome. portion of their uh, of their retail sales to, um, I think, uh, uh, Life Water or Blood Water, one of the one of the well building uh, NGOs that exists. Charity, Charity yeah. Water, or Charity okay. Water. I, there's a bunch of them, um, but it, you know they kind of have to, right? Like, <laughs> right. That, making the criticism right. in and of itself, and then having a for profit enterprise probably would be uh, right, uh, right. You know, uh, cause a problem in and of itself. But and so, what was the Magento tie-in? The Magento tie-in. So I I actually had a conversation a few months ago, back in January now, with a retailer who used to be on Magento, who uh, who was sort of really jaded about the way that the sneaker market um, uh, over a period of a few years, how the sneaker market caused them to have to invest in technology in their business. So uh, okay. they, they used to be on Magento. They had a number of stores. They were, you know, sneaker and streetwear brand. Um, and it used to be that when Yeezy would drop a shoe, they wouldn't sell it through Adidas.com or through, you know, through um, uh, the uh, Yeezy branded site. They would do it through their retailer sites. So if they were okay. to drop a shoe, you would go to Kith, you would go to End, you would go to um, uh, 
any any one of these individual retailers. And right. so when the shoe drops, you get millions and millions and millions of hits and it would crash their websites, you know? And so you're investing in more and more cloud technology to uh, handle scale. You're combating things with Magento not being able to handle the volume of purchase all at one time. Right. You know, so these retailers are investing over and over and over into more, uh, more capable, um, like faster coding. They're putting queuing, you know, technology right. on the website. They're putting, you know, auto scale cloud infrastructure into place. They're putting cloud front and stuff, front of stuff. They're putting, you know, fastly in front of it. They're doing everything they possibly can to handle the crush of traffic. Right. And then, you know, one day, uh, Adidas and Yeezy pivot, and now they just sell direct to consumer and they've cut all the wholesalers out. Now all these wholesalers are left with, you know, huge Magento site licenses, uh, and huge hosting ah, uh, agreements, brutal. and you know all of these uh, software licensing contracts to have to make good on, but they no longer have the sales to back it up. Ah, that's rough. Yeah, monthly pricing is a beautiful thing. On many, on, <laughs> you on just had levels. a whole thing about you know monthly versus annual and contracts. I did. It's what funny. was that about? Yeah. So basically, I was just ranting about. Um, about when you see uh, when you're when you're checking out a SaaS uh, product and it says the the monthly price, so it says twenty dollars a month. You go awesome. You go to check out, and then it says, uh, it, oh, you know, we bill annually, so you can pay, you know, whatever it's twenty two hundred forty dollars, or you can pay monthly and you can pay you know twenty five dollars a month or whatever. And it's like, bro. That there's no such thing as twenty dollars a month billed annually. Like that's two hundred forty dollars a year. Yeah. Like that little bait and switch tactic just drives me crazy. Um, but yeah, it's funny that that one trended on LinkedIn a little bit, which was uh, which was fun. Let's face it, Magento can be a beast to run in the cloud. And that's why Stratus by MageMojo is hosting Evolved. Say goodbye to dedicated DevOps teams and complex cloud architecture. With Stratus, you get a rock-solid architecture that's built on Amazon AWS and true cloud auto scale. Never worry about capacity planning ever again with the full power of AWS that's behind your site. Backed by Magento Cloud Architecture Geniuses at MageMojo on technologies like ECS, Kubernetes, Aurora, and also a 15-minute SLA that's the fastest in the entire industry, you can be sure that your site is in good hands with Stratus. Give it a try today, and we know you won't be disappointed. Head over to magemojo.com slash magetalk and get started. That's M-A-G-E-M-O-J-O dot com slash magetalk. Thanks again to Mage Mojo for the continued support of Mage Talk. Mage Talk is brought to you by Vertex. Vertex is a Magento premier partner, providing cloud and on-premise solutions that can be tailored to specific industries for every major line of tax, including sales and use, income, value added, and payroll. Vertex Cloud is the SaaS solution that automates sales and use tax, including calculation and returns. With multiple service levels and flexible pricing models, Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes, from recognizable brands like Honda, Pepsi, and Verizon to small businesses the world over. Find out more today at vertexsmb.com and be sure to mention Mage Talk to get 15 months for the price of 12. Once again, that's vertexsmb.com. So, so tell me a little bit about what's happening in the world of Commerce Hero right now. 
Commerce Hero. Oh, well, I brought uh, actually uh, Gary uh, on board, Gary Smith, who um, was nice. With, yeah, was obviously with uh, Jameson for a while, and he kind of um, he uh, left a, a while ago to kind of do his own. So he's been doing his own consulting and stuff like that. I think for I don't know how long, six months or a year, and and so anyways, I needed some help with uh, ops operations and stuff. So he's helping out on a part time basis. And we're just a couple of weeks in, but that's going great because I need help with ops, man. I, I'm not good at that. So he's helped me get things streamlined and, and stuff like that. And so, um, that's awesome. So that's, that's been cool. Yeah. We've been doing calls daily and just getting things handed off and, and he's much more, uh, focused, you know, you know, some, like some people are just more geared one way or another and, and I'm, I'm very slowly, but surely realizing I really shouldn't try to do everything. Cause I'm not really good at it. And so, uh, so, so that's been cool. There was actually a job I, that I wanted that I thought was neat. It's a, it's a, yeah, I just posted it. It's pretty cool. It's a B2B, uh, marketplace, uh, in the flower industry, um, on M2 and they're just doing like an initial beta trial type thing, but they're looking for like 75 to 115 hours, 10 hours a week kind of thing. So it's a decent, uh, it's a decent gig. It's cool. It's something that makes sense for Magento, right? Because it's it's a B two B marketplace for sure. On M two, and um, this is actually, and I know you're going to immediately reverse engineer who it is, but this is actually somebody in West Palm. So I don't know if you might have. Oh dang! Yeah, so you know, <laughs> you know, what I'm talking about. But anyways, I just thought that was a neat gig, and uh, so that's a, that's a cool oh, that's idea. that's pretty cool, uh, and that's that's a really interesting space to be in, actually. Yeah. Um, right now, there's a lot of logistics and there's, you know, it's shipping live products, that sort of thing. Dude, West Palm is a hot spot, man. You guys got a lot of stuff going on out that out there. It's crazy. You guys I really pu- punch above your weight. It's weird. We're a weird little place. I called it Narnia earlier this week. Uh, we had some randomly. We just have really cool people just come through here at some point during the year yeah. all the time. It's just, uh, you know. Uh, Harley Finkelstein, this COO of uh, Shopify, was in the office a few months ago for no good reason. Oh, nice. Um, we had... Uh, That's really cool. I, I know. <laughs> so That's weird. super cool. Yeah. Uh, he was just sitting in my office. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, <laughs> what are you... This is my office. What are you doing here? <laughs> he's like, like, he poked gotta, his head in my office and he's like looking at these Magento, you know, he's the, my Magento Master Awards. He's like, hey, man, you know... Maybe you should consider Shopify. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, hey, I got a, I got a couple open tickets with you guys. Let me let me, let me bend your ear real quick. <laughs> really interesting. Um, and then this week, uh, a guy named uh, Vincenzo Landino, who's uh, from Columbus, Ohio, um, and does a lot of video with like SAP and a lot of bunch of corporate video, but also happens to work with Web Smith from 2 p.m. Oh, okay. Um, just happened to be in town. He's like, oh, dude, I didn't know you lived here. Let's grab coffee. Um, so, so it's cool. such a strange little place in the world where uh, people happen to come through. Dude, that's um, awesome. And South Florida has a lot of Magento. A lot of Magento. A lot um, of Magento going on down there. There yeah. really is. There really well, is. I, I think too, you know, strategically, and not to give uh, not to give the secret sauce away for something digital, but we, you know, 200 of the Fortune 500 have subsidiaries or an office somewhere in Florida. So there's um, a reason you guys strategically... Selected that location. It has nothing to do with the fact that I happen to live here already. <laughs> yeah. But it's, no, it's it's been a very strategic place for growth. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
I have. Can I ask you a random? Have you been following the startup podcast at all, Gimlet Media? Alex Dude, Gimlet? I yeah, I started the final season just to kind of catch oh up on God. it. You've been you've been ranting on it. I haven't I haven't finished it. So okay, give me that's perfect because I can ask you. Can I want to ask you a random question, totally out of context? Okay, and you, which of course you're great. What would what would you spend a billion dollars on? What would you spend a billion dollars on? You yourself, you yourself, either personally as uh, whatever, however you want to answer it as Future Commerce SD. How, what would you, let's say as future commerce, maybe, I don't know, whatever. What would you do with a billion dollars? It's such a hard question to answer. Like, unless it's something you've been thinking about for a while. No, no, no. I, I think a billion dollars is an unfathomable amount of money. Exactly. It's, it's a thousand million dollars. Exactly. It's a thousand million dollars. Yeah. Uh, if I, if I had a million dollars right now, you know, I, I know exactly what I would do with a million dollars. I'd, you know, hire uh, my whole team at Future Commerce would be full time. And, uh, and we would be, you know, building up uh, our content on armed, put out content five days a week on the world of retail. Right. Um, if I had $10 million, oh gosh, I mean, we'd, we'd probably build, build a lot of physical infrastructure to do video at a really, uh, at a really fast pace and okay. hire a bunch of okay. like killer right. people. Right, you know, right, we'd right. go and we'd find all the best talent. We'd, you know, hire them away from wherever they need to be hired away from. And we, you know, we'd do a great mix of uh, build and buy. Um, so far, you're doing a pretty impressive job. You're, 10 like, million, you're I mean, like going one order of yeah. magnitude at a time. <laughs> this is pretty good. A hundred million. I mean, why? I mean, I would go and acquire a bunch of media properties that are already killing it in the space and consolidate them. Okay. You know? Okay. 500 million? Who even freaking knows? How would you even, how could you even possibly begin to think about like, what do you even do with that? It's just too much. It's It's too much. It's too much. It's too much. So a billion, I can't even, I can't even begin to tell you what I would spend a billion dollars. I mean, like anybody could live the rest of their lives on a billion dollars. So yeah, it's just, it's just ridiculous. (laughs) It's a ridiculous amount. It's a stupid question, actually. Yeah, it is. It is. It's what would you spend a billion dollars on, Caleb? I don't know. I honestly don't know. Like, I I thought of I've been thinking about this question. I did some content on it ever since I heard it. And I'm like, I don't know. Like I even the way that you tried to answer it and did a pretty good job and got pretty far. I'm just like, I give up. I don't know. Like I would love to be at a point where I had, I was talking to my buddy about this recently. Like you think about Elon Musk and the type of people that have these goals that are larger than life, um, that 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 can drive them and be powerfully motivating. And uh, which, I mean, I bet Elon Musk, if you asked what you'd do with a billion, he's like, well, what, what would I do yeah, with 10? If I only had a billion dollars, <laughs> yeah. uh, well, maybe like, start a rocket ship company, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But like, I wish that I, I aspire to get to a point that I actually have a vision that's that grandiose, but I just don't. I just, I just don't. And I and I gotta I gotta push back on your hundred million on acquiring a bunch of media properties. Like, don't you think that would be problematic? Like in in the sense of like scaling the quality of what you're doing. If you acquired a whole bunch of existing media properties, would they wouldn't they do it differently? Would they really like would they really get it as far as what you guys are trying to do and the type of content you're trying to put out? Yeah, that's a great that's a great point. Um and for the 10 seconds of thought that I put into it, uh, I would say, no, they, they would all, all do what I say because I have all the money. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, how about for a billion dollars, we buy Magento back from Adobe. Oh, and, um, that'd be dope. And uh, 
to that should play well to the Magento crowd. You can actually crop that, that and share that all over Twitter to put that in your video <laughs> pipeline. There we go. Um, <laughs> there uh, go. No, I don't think we, we could afford it, it we actually. 1.68 billion. I mean, that's that's a lot, you know. Um, yeah. And yeah. Uh, so it's you know if a depreciated asset, um, a billion dollars, billion dollars is an unfathomable amount of money. It really is. Uh, Mitchell Cowie in the chat asks, meetups. is this in cash or assets? These are two different questions. I like the way you think, Mitchell. That is um, great. Yeah, Mitchell's a smart guy. That is it's in assets. Question. I mean, you could probably get a $250 million loan from someone like Goldman Sachs on that, uh, on the equity. Right. So... No, let's say it's, let's say it's, let's say, I mean, whenever you have a billion, who knows what format's in, but let's say it's liquid. Let's go nuts. Let's say. I want a billion dollars in bananas. Just what does a billion dollars in bananas look like? It looks like a lot of bananas are going to, that are going to, that are going to go out of, what's the word? They're going to spoil. Yeah. That's a lot of banana bread at the end of the day. Yeah. You're going to end up with a whole lot of banana bread. You're going to have to turn it into powder for safe, you know, safe storage. Could you, let me ask you a crazy freaking question. Okay. If you had a billion dollars to build a to build, if you had a billion dollars, could you build an e-commerce platform that rivals Magento? Could you build a modern e-commerce platform with a billion dollars? Could you build a company that makes software that rivals the feature functionality and the community of Magento? Wow, that's wow, that's a really good question because. In terms of just building software, yes, of course, you could build that functionality. But then the question so. is, yeah. then the question is, what about the community? What about the ecosystem? Um, how do you measure? How do you measure all of that? And and uh, it's funny because I I can't help but think that like a significant amount of the value in the Magento code base was written quite a few years ago, right? <laughs> Like there's a lot of power that went into those initial lines of code, right? EAV and multi-store and things like that. You don't need EAV anymore. <laughs> That's right. I'm just telling you, I'm just saying you don't. Okay. Multi-store, multi-store though. I mean, but but multi-store, Kalen. That's why every single one of the major multi. That's why every single major platform right now has multi-store at the core. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, it's it's debatable how how many stores actually need multi-store, but you know. I digress. Yeah. No, I know. It's a, that's a, that's I think a if you name. had a if you had a powerful OMS, you yeah. never need multi-store because it all winds up in the back end anyway. If you had a powerful PIM that connects to all of your e-commerce platform. I know a lot of e-commerce uh, or a lot of retail businesses now that have all of the e-commerce platforms somewhere in their portfolio and somehow they make it work, right? Like um yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, that makes that makes sense. Mitchell I, thinks that with a billion dollars you could rebuild Magento features. Yes, community's tough. You can't buy that. But you know what? I see, and I, I'll be here's the e-commerce nihilist in me. Yes. Okay. That cynically, is what we look to you. That is what we look to you for. I know. Thank you. Uh, cynically, if remember how we defined, remember how we defined a uh, billion dollars was a thousand million, right? Yeah. Could you take? $10 million over the next five years and put on stellar events worldwide that are free to the public for anyone to event to come to and have every of all the best bands, all the best food, you know, all the best developers pay for their travel, pay for like, you could subsidize your way right. and, and gift your way into having a lot of participation up front. Now I, I can't guarantee that it would have staying, staying power, yeah. but that's what shop talk did. 
Shop Talk as a as a uh, as a organization has single handedly rivaled NRF, IRCE, Shop.org, and every other major uh, retail focused event because they just gave every retailer in North America a free pass to come to their show. Hmm. That's and it's venture backed, and uh, they've 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 disrupted. They've done with venture what you know what Uber did, which is disrupt uh, an ingratiated or or an incumbent uh, organization. That's interesting. I didn't know too much. I've heard that a lot of people really like Shop Talk. I didn't know too much about sort of what their growth strategy was. Um, but it's interesting. Like there's there's an argument to be made that one of the reasons why. Uh, you know, I mean, it's so, I run it here. It's, I've never really raised money, but it's so easy. I mean, there's tons of investors that would love to put money into tech, right? And it's, it's, it's hard. Like if, if, if it was easy to, to say, okay, this is the amount of money that you need to put in to create, to replicate a success in tech. Uh, you could have all, you could have endless amounts of money from investors who would want to do that. But there's something, uh, or there's something fundamentally difficult about doing it, right? About creating a success in in tech, which is why it's, uh, which is why there's an imbalance there in the market between like the investment dollars, right? Yeah, but uh, the ones who have invested, even when they are considered to be like legacy or laggards um, in in our world, um, think about. PayPal, right? PayPal mm-hmm. is twenty some years old now, um, right. and they, you know, they have invested their way into modern prominence um, by continuing to do things like, you know, like the mobile optimization initiative by uh, providing, you know, uh, uh, like opt-in contra dollars to help subsidize small businesses being able to afford, you know, replatforming. Mm-hmm. Um, they, you know, they have bought their way into, uh, you know with Venmo and Braintree right. into modern expressions of, uh, you know, payments technology platforms. Um, so yeah, I think spending money and spending it in the right way can give you credibility um, because you're going to buy, you're going to spend money on the things that people that you're trying to gain the credibility with care about. Um, I, I heard a really interesting analysis from Jason Calacanis while we're just going all over the map. That's um, fine. Who I know uh, here, it's like your bro. Um, oh, no, no, no. He's, yeah, I've met him on a couple of occasions. I've seen the pictures on Instagram. Okay. Calm, calm down. I've seen you guys together on Instagram. Um, but, uh, but anyways, I saw he was giving an interesting analysis of Apple, Apple versus the other major tech companies and Apple does not make acquisitions. I mean, you just talked about some great acquisitions PayPal has made. Um, All of the other major tech companies make acquisitions and it's part of their uh, strategy. And Apple's very much like, like must be invented here. Like do not, like not invented here syndrome kind of a thing. And they haven't been super innovative for a while. And he was saying, look, they should acquire Tesla and Peloton and uh, put one of those suckers in every Apple store Right, and I was like, I was going, I was thinking to myself, I was going, that's genius. Um, and you know, it's interesting with Peloton. I've been, I've been reading about you know some of the things in their their S one. Uh, what is it? Their their investment, um, pay, you know, papers that they file. Yeah, yep. and and it's absurd. They're like, we are not currently profitable. We 
most likely have no path to future profitability. <laughs> like they're never going to be profitable. It's like insane, you know? And so anyways, like, and I guess, you know. Uh, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to be the guy to, you know, publicly criticize Jason uh, because I didn't actually watch that particular I'm sure that was on this You're weekend startups it, or something. Retelling of it, yeah. Who no? He was. It was a clip on an on a news on like a business news show. Oh, probably. Yeah, but that sounds about right. A poor retelling of it, but well, in yeah. the last two years alone, Apple acquired Beats by Dre, which you made oh, Jay Z okay. a billionaire, and uh, and also or and Dr. Dre, sorry. Um, and uh, and by the way, they also acquired this year, which we talked about on Future Commerce, a asthma startup. Um, so it's, it's like in the health space and they're, they're doubling down on, on healthcare in a big way. Oh, that's really cool. And so there's like an asthma monitoring device that they, uh, that they acquired. Oh, that's super. Uh, name, name escapes me at the moment. Um, I think they also acquired Shazam, uh, which was that like app that listens to music and environmentally, and then like tells you what the song is, um, like music oh, yeah. for printing. Um, so I, I kind of, I agree with the premise and that like, unlike... There's other companies who acquire all day long. Amazon does a lot of M and A. Yeah, like um, like tens and hundreds of, of yeah. acquisitions, right? right. Or Ten or twenty per year, or something absurd. Yeah. So um, um, we've got Cunningham's law in effect here. You know, I, <laughs> best way to get the right answer. You know, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Say the wrong thing and be corrected. So that, that I, was I wasn't sure of what I that stand was. Corrected. I, actually, happened last week uh, in that I couldn't remember what uh, what Cunningham's law was called, so I just put it out there as. Uh, <laughs> Gibraltar's law, and then someone came along. And it's like actually, it's Cunningham's law. That's hysterical. Literally, that in, in effect. Yeah, that's perfect. That's so perfect. Yeah. Oh man! Well, can you believe she, it's been an hour already? This yeah, that went that went quickly. That went mm-hmm. quickly. We managed to get some Magento content in there, so I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna give us uh, a pat on the back for yeah. that one. For that. We actually, we you know, one 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 area that we could probably uh, improve on. Is uh, talking about the uh, oh? Can I get a plug in for my something digital Magento end of life series uh, oh, that I'm doing on bro, on the blog? A hundred percent. I can't believe we didn't talk about this the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you get a chance, I'm I'm kind of proud of this <laughs> this stupid blog series that I'm, I'm authoring. It's um, hilarious the for the whole month of October. Hilarious. Uh, and so the, the month of October, uh, because it's spooky Halloween month, uh, we're spending the month on the Something Digital blog talking about uh, my favorite horror movies and how the plots of those horror movies can be uh, interpreted to be telling the story of Magento's end of life alongside that. And um, not just because I'm trying to create you know, somewhat uh, controversial content so that you go pay attention to a blog. But if you've ever watched a horror movie and, and or if you like me were like terrified of horror movies as a kid, um, when you get to the very end of the movie and, you know, you rip the mask off the bad guy and it's like, you know, old man Cratchit across the street, it's not so scary anymore. Like ter- <laughs> taking, taking the mask off the, off the, the bad guy uh, kind of humanizes it in a way. And I think when we face down the this uh, Magento end of life that's coming in June, 2020. Uh, we're all better for it and it takes some of the fear out of it. So if you're a retailer or if you're a technology partner and you have uh, and Magento One is a good portion of your business and you rely on Magento One in a big way, this uh, you might find it amusing to read through uh, this series. Uh, part three comes out on Tuesday. 
Uh, and you'll have heard it here first. So uh, it's for it follows the events of the movie. It follows, Very which nice. if you haven't seen the movie, it follows. Don't. <laughs> are you? What are you hearing? What are you hear? What, what are you hearing on the ground from um, merchants on M one? Merchants looking to make you know merchants that are at that crossroads. Yeah, we've spent uh, two years now migrating our, our portfolio of customers at something digital over. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're, you know, if we're not taking long-term support contracts for customers on Magento 1 that aren't already planning to move to Magento 2. Mm-hmm. So our entire portfolio is already on Magento 2 or Shopify Plus. So we're not having to worry about supporting legacy versions of Magento. If you need legacy support for Magento 1, there are, are plenty of uh, systems integrators out there that I'm sure will support you in perpetuity. But at Something Digital, we're very risk-averse and that's not something that we're looking to to do. Um, as far as the move, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a bit of a bear because Magento 2 is itself a moving target. So, Mm -hmm. uh, Magento 2.0 and 2.1 are both end of life. And, um, which actually is a good tie into, uh, this week's blog, which followed Final Destination, right? You ever see the movie Final Destination? Final Destination. I feel like I should have, but, uh, there's a, so there's a, a plane crash. But there's supposed to be a plane crash. And uh, this group of friends, like a high school group of friends, have this like premonition that uh, the, the plane is going to crash. They all get off the plane. And so the plane crashes. They avoid death, right? Uh, uh, and then one by one, death picks off all the friends until it gets back to the person who had the permanent gotcha. in the first place. That's basically what Magento 2 end of life has been. Is like, you know, Magento 1, you know, you're watching all your friends get slowly picked <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you're on 1.14, you've seen 2.0 get picked off, you've seen 2.1 got p- picked off, 2.2 is coming right behind, you know, you know you're next. <laughs> and that's, right. that's um, so funny. Yeah, so uh, uh, we're having some fun on the blog. It's, it's you know, not gotten, uh, I've not gotten any hate mail over it yet, but some people, yeah. are, you know, some people like to hate on me anyway, so. Yeah, it's... It's probably coming. Are, uh, are are we having the Mage One? I think we are having the Mage One guys on, right? To talk. Yeah, yeah. Black uh, Schmidt and you know some of the other folks from Mage One and that. Yeah. Point. And you were like, just to be clear, uh, you know, I'm gonna. Th- this is not going to be a softball interview, right? You're gonna be. You're gonna. You may be a little critical. A little bit of their approach. <laughs> potentially, bit. potentially, possibly. Potentially, possibly. Yeah. Uh, you know what I think legitimizes their approach is Nexus and Mage Mojo both sort of telling the story that they'll pitch in on long-term support too. Yeah. So if you have a consortium of many businesses and individuals and you know technology providers that are going to support the product, then maybe you have a better story. So yeah, the more people that pitch and support, the less the criticism has weight, right? Yeah, yeah. Only time will tell. <laughs> Only time will tell. <laughs> this is, uh, yeah, this is good. Thanks for letting me plug that. Oh, yeah. No, I, I mean, I wouldn't call that a plug. I would call that good content. Uh, yeah, speaking absolutely. of, speaking of like uh, good content, um, you had a point in here about Scott Galloway. And oh, yeah. I, I needed to hear what the heck, <laughs> so, what in the world you, you're you're on about Scott Galloway. I have now. only recently discovered Scott Galloway. You've probably known of him for a long time, but he predicted the WeWork thing. He's 
he's he's it sounds like he has a, a fairly accurate track record of predictions in tech. Um, he's a uh, professor um, at NYU, professor of marketing at NYU, also a um, uh, uh, an entrepreneur, I believe, previously. And um, anyways, so uh, I had posted. What did I put? Oh, I had responded to his thing on Facebook's inflated viewership metrics which was basically, so Facebook is settling a lawsuit for like 40 million um, because, you know, they, they have inflated viewership metrics on their ad platform, anywhere from 150% to 900% or something like that. And uh, anyways, he, he had posted about that saying like, well, this is a slap on the wrist. It's a, it's a fraction of a percentage <laughs> of their annual income. And, uh, and I'm like, going, I, part of me, like half of the time, I think to myself, man, this guy is absolutely brilliant. And the other half of the time, I think like, well, maybe he just likes to kind of say incendiary things and get, you know, get things riled up. Um, and so uh, anyway, so you were, you replied to me on LinkedIn and you said something to the effect that, you know, your first mistake was, was reading a tweet by Scott. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, in the case of the inflated viewership metrics, it's like, dude, if you are building a business on viewership metrics of any ad campaign, you're completely doing it wrong. You need to be looking at actual real world results. You need to be looking at sales that are being driven, right? Like yep. real human beings. Like, I mean, you, me and you talk a little bit about the ad campaign you did for that event in LA, which I thought was absolutely brilliant. And you, you know, you got butts and seats, you know? Yep. So anyways, yeah. that was my take on that. But it sounded to me like you had you had a take on, on Scott Galloway. So I thought it'd be, I mean, the take, the take is, uh, he's, he's like one of those polarizing, he's like another polarizing figure on the internet who doesn't seem to show a lot of empathy. Um, who has, you know, who says things specifically because they're controversial and he's like a shock jock. Right. Right. And, and, and sort of unabashedly. So, and yeah, I, I, people like him are, uh, it's funny to watch the progression because that's how Gary Vaynerchuk used to be. Gary mm-hmm. Vaynerchuk used to be very much like that. Yep. And if and you're watching, they'll think of him as being like that, but he's not like that anymore. Right. If you watch his videos now, he's all like, give love to people, love, compassion, show people, kindness. show people co- compassion and kindness and like take totally. people you know, don't tear people down, build people up. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Um, so I, I think it's a, you know, it's just, it's another sort of polarizing figure who, you know, probably has real true insight from, you know, his very real experience. Uh, I don't know how he gets away with the, some of the things he says. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gotcha. yeah. But yeah. I, I don't know. It just feels like a lot of negativity and sort of down talk. And yeah, I, yeah. I just like, I'm, I'm at that point in my life where I'm like, I don't need that. I'm- yeah. Well, that's the thing is that the criticism of the Facebook thing was sort of couched as, well, I'm so concerned about all these businesses that have gone bankrupt due to the incorrect metrics. And that's so horrible of Facebook and they should have to pay a lot more money. And it's like, come on, man, you, we don't, how bad do we feel about a company that ran ad campaigns on viewership metrics? Like, you know, you shouldn't. I mean, you got you always have to feel bad for anybody that's had their job or livelihood affected, but and I don't know if that's the case or not. But anyways, point is, um, it didn't. I don't know. I think yeah, I, I think that the uh, the doomsday prophets 
uh, will use any sort of thing to, you know, I, and I think of him as such right now mm-hmm. um, because he never, what, here's, here's a, a good piece of advice that you didn't ask for, but this is how I sort of think about it. Uh, if you follow someone for a long period of time and they never, ever, ever say anything positive, like they never predict right. anything positive, they never have anything like, <laughs> All that they ever talk about is stuff that's like, you know, controversial, that's down talk. It's, you know, yeah. uh, sort of biting criticism. It's sarcastic. There's, you know, those, those sorts of things are, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's like, they're going to be right eventually. And when they're right, they're going to tell you how right they were. Um, so I, you know, I don't, it, of course, something's going to turn out. So, something bad's going to happen eventually. And that's how doomsday prophets profit. Yeah. Um, yeah, but well, that's a great note to end on. Yeah, <laughs> Terrible note to end uh, on. Beat note to end on. Yeah, um, I'm glad that we talked about Scott Scott Galloway right at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, a great yeah. idea of mine. Yeah, yeah, perfect. We should we should have closed that on the M1 on your M1 series. Yeah. That's, we'll that's, fix it in uh, post. Yeah, we'll be. <laughs> Awesome. Well, um, thanks, thanks for watching, everybody. everybody. Thanks for watching. And uh, be sure to give us a five star on uh, Stitcher Radio and Spotify. And- <laughs> <laughs> click that thumbs up. Once you smash that like button, click that smash thumbs up. Smash that like button. Hey. Become one of our bell brothers. Click that bell. <laughs> click that bell. Smash click that bell. You get notified button. whenever there's a new episode of Mage Talk. <laughs> all right. And all right. 